He brought Batman to the comic books. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary, and these are our incredible stories. Hello and welcome back to all of our listeners from around the world and across the United States. We're happy to have you back with us for some more incredible stories. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome. Go ahead, sit down, put up your feet, get yourself nice and cozy. Go ahead and grab a snack or two and uh, drinks are in the fridge. If you like what you hear, and I hope you do, hit that like and subscribe button and join us each and every Friday for a free episode of Rich and Gary's Incredible Stories. And if you like it enough and you think somebody else is going to like it too, well, don't be stingy. Go ahead and share. Let them listen and tell them how you got here. All right, that being said, uh, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects. I I love Batman. I am a huge Batman fan. And we're going to be talking about somebody who has a connection to Batman. Uh, I have been a fan of Batman since I saw the first Batman movie back in 1989. But I did not see it in 89. I saw it like 1991, so I missed two years of being able to see it. In fact, I remember the first time I was going to get to see it. I was being babysat, and the babysitter was going to put it in the VCR, and then mom and grandma showed up, and I didn't get past the opening credits. (laughs) And it's a very long opening credits, so I was a little bit disappointed, and then I got to see it, and it just, that was it. Uh, Everything changed for me. So that being said, um, we're going to be talking about a gentleman, and we have talked about him before, because I remember when we were, uh, we talked, um, I don't remember exactly specifically what it was, but it has come up before with Norm, uh, Norm Breifogel, because I remember having out my, my artwork, and we talked about him and Bruce Tim, but we're going to go a little bit more in depth about who he was. Yes, indeedy. And uh, Gary, I'm I'm sitting here in amazement. You're talking about watching something on a VCR. Was that before the advent of DVDs and Blu-rays? Yes, it was uh, a transitional period. You know, we uh, had just gotten away from 16 millimeter and hadn't quite really discovered uh, laser discs and all of its full functions. And that was even before uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. So mm. I was using this black thing that looked like a brick that you would shove inside of another box and magically pictures would appear. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's how you first uh, uh, became able to uh, see the original, not necessarily the very first Batman movie because Batman goes back to the 1940s when it comes to movies. Yeah, but those were serials. And and really the first Mm -hmm. one was the the one with... um, Burt Ward, no, no, Burt Ward and Adam West. Mm -hmm. They did a movie, a theatrical movie that was released in theaters, and it was a pilot for the TV show. Oh, okay. So that was technically the first one, Um, but but the movie, that movie, Batman with Michael Keaton, um, nineteen eighty nine. Nobody can deny that's what got everything started as far as the cinematic version of batman because once he did it uh that was it everything changed from that point and that to me i and i'm sure others might agree that's what really started the superhero kick you had superman which was a good superhero movie but when you talk about comic book movies 
Batman 89 is definitely what started the fascination with comic book films. Yes, and uh, the man we're going to be talking about tonight uh, had a huge role to play in bringing that uh, transition uh, to pass. Uh, he, in many ways, Gary, uh, started out uh, like you. First of all, when he was a small child, he wanted to be Batman. I still do want to be Batman. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you've made personal appearances for charity events as Batman. Yeah, I made my own Batman costume. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Uh, he uh, was also uh, into uh, costume design, and he was only 13 years old when he submitted a new costume design for Robin. Really? Yeah. At 13, he did that. So Norm Bryfogle, Norman Keith Bryfogle, is the person we're talking about. Uh, I had the privilege of meeting Norm back in 1991 when I was a park ranger at White Sands National Monument. And uh, Norm and a lady friend were driving through in a, a sporty convertible, and they wanted to camp in the uh, wilderness camp that we had at a uh, campsite that we had there at White Sands, and it was National Monument at the time. White Sands today is a national park. But um, he uh, came in. It was closing time, and technically I could have told him, I'm sorry, you're too late to register and get in there and get set up before you lose all your light and it becomes dangerous. But <clears throat> for some reason I felt uh, this fellow needed a break, and I uh, took him into the ranger office to fill out the paperwork and, and let him register um, late. And he was very thankful for that. I told him that you, Gary, were uh, an avid Batman fan because this was 1991, right about the time you're talking about when you really came to know Batman. And so he uh, took some of the paper that was on the desk, some of the blank paper that was on the desk, and I would say within 10 seconds he whipped out a uh, an image of Batman, uh, the full face image, and I I was just astounded. I just looked in amazement because I'd never seen anybody draw something that fast. And green magic marker. And yeah, you, you would think that uh, it would have taken him 10, 15 minutes to do. Uh-uh. 10, 15 seconds is what it took, and he had that figure out on the paper, signed it, dated it, and... Uh, I was able to bring it home to you that evening. So <clears throat> I'll always remember Norm. Tragically, uh, he passed away in 2018, and that's why I felt it important that we bring him back up again on our podcasts and uh, honor his contribution uh, to, to the Batman story. Norm was, uh, we'll start from the beginning. He was born on uh, February 27 in 1960 in Iowa City, Iowa, and he uh, quickly discovered that he had a talent both for drawing and storytelling. And Gary, you know that. Um, again, his life parallels yours in so many ways. You know the moment that you can tell that you're really good at drawing, and you know the moment when you can tell that you're really good at storytelling. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the thing. When people start asking you to draw things for them, then you kind of get the idea that you might be good at what you're doing. And a lot of people have asked you to draw little Batman sketches and superhero the Kids sketches. do. I yeah. At the summer camp, I get asked all at, at school and at summer camp. The kids know I like to draw 
cartoons and comic book characters. That's all they want. Actually, all they want is Pokemon. Mm-hmm. I have drawn so many Pikachus. Mm-hmm. So many Pikachus. And Charizard. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, anyhow, uh, again, I see so many parallels between Norm and you uh, in as far as interests and talents. Now, he, he always believed that uh, these skills came from his father, and unfortunately, his uh, family broke up and his father left the family when he was very young. But his mother enrolled him in art classes with a local painter named uh, Andrew Benson. And it was Andrew who developed uh, Norm's talent uh, to the point where local newspapers began to notice him and publish articles with his art as uh, human interest stories. Now, as he was growing up, he was heavily influenced by comic books. Does that sound familiar? Absolutely. <laughs> You're a comic book fan. You've got quite a collection. Oh, yeah. Um, but, of course, out of all the different um, superheroes in the comic books, Batman was the one that enthralled him. He wanted to be that superhero. He uh, wanted to, well, he couldn't be that superhero, but he was the next best thing. He ended up being able to bring that superhero to life in the comic books. Um, he enrolled in Northern Michigan University where he majored in, in painting and illustration. He graduated in 1982. He moved to California, and it was there that he attended um, the San Diego Comic Book Convention. And he was able to participate in a new talent showcase and his first professionally published work for DC Comics. Really? Yeah. Uh, During that uh, period when he was working for several minor league comic book publishers, he also uh, worked uh, as a draftsman. He had to have, you know, regular income coming in. Oh, of course. And uh, so working for the minor league comic book publishers, that wasn't going to happen. Uh, So he also provided technical drawings of the space shuttle for NASA, and that really provided some nice income. Oh, wow. So while he was paying uh, the rent working in the minor leagues of comic book publishing, he wrote a Captain America story, Gary, that began life as a Batman story. Really? Yeah. And when DC passed on it, Bryfogel merely cut the Batman images out and he replaced them with his freshly drawn Captain America figures. Oh. So he had done a Batman story, didn't sell, and so he popped in Captain America, who was popular at the time, and sold it that way. Captain America performing a Batman story. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he landed another feature in <clears throat> uh, uh, a magazine called Marvel Fanfare, and... Uh, He showcased the Fantastic Four. Do you know who they are? Of course I do. Uh, Captain, uh, not Captain, uh, Mr. Fantastic, uh, Sue Storm, the Invisible Woman, Johnny Torch, and uh, the Thing, the ever-loving blue-eyed Thing. The Fantastic Four. And uh, for a while, uh, I don't know why they said it was still the Fantastic Four. Spider-Man joined it. That would have made them the Fantastic Five, wouldn't it? Yeah, sure. So at this point, of course, his career is about to uh, spring into gear. Uh, DC Comics hired him to draw an issue of Tales of the Legion of Superheroes. And then, dun da da his first professional Batman work. But unfortunately, it was a solo Robin story. But nevertheless, uh, it got him into the Batman comic circle. Something is better than nothing. That's right. 
And uh, he continued to express a strong desire to draw Batman. He was able to secure some work with Detective Comics, and it was great timing, Gary, because The Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One uh, debuted. Film director Tim Burton brought Batman to the big screen in 1989, as you mentioned. So this was all a great time to draw Batman. And as we mentioned, it was a, a time of transition from Batman. He was going from the campy um, campy uh, TV-type Batman mm. to the dark and, and grim Michael Keaton-type Batman. Oh, yes. And uh, <clears throat> so that uh, happened to suit my, uh, Norm Breifogel's artwork just fine. There were some other artists arriving at Detective Comics uh, to create this reimagined Batman at the time. Uh, have you ever heard of Dick Giordano? Of course. I have some of his artwork, too. In fact, he critiqued some of my comic book artwork. Yes, indeed. You know Dick Giordano. And Alan Davis and Jim Aparo. I don't think you've met those two fellows. But I have not. You certainly are familiar with Dick Giordano. So these folks were coming on board with Detective Comics at the time, along with Norm Breifogel. And he got teamed up with two British writers, Gary, John Wagner and Alan Grant. And oh, they, Alan Grant. I think he uh, did the Watchmen comic book. Oh, Alan Grant. Uh, he's, um, you know, he was prolific. And he stayed with uh, Norm Breifogel through most of Norm's career. Um, in fact, he had just done uh, a Judge Dredd. Do you, you recall Judge Dredd? Oh, yeah. And uh, a lot of people are not a big fan of the movie, but I really like the one with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Very entertaining. So Wagner soon dropped out, and so at that point, Norm Breifogel enjoyed a lifelong partnership with Alan Grant. Uh, That friendship, by the way, was based on mutual respect and admiration, and they produced a slew of Batman comics over the years. And you've got a a number of them in your collection. So many. Um, As I said, uh, Norm uh, left behind that traditional Batman look, and he stamped his own unique style. Remember I told you that he started costume designing back at the age of 13? Of course. So uh, if he was into costume designing, it seems to me that he didn't uh, find it too difficult to go ahead and uh, give uh, Batman a new costume look in the comic books. Of course. Why not? Mm-hmm. So he started to stamp his own unique style on the character in the books. So at that period of time, Gary... You're looking at Batman through Norm Breifogel's eyes. He really did much to create that look. He had an expressionistic style, and and it just went so perfectly with Alan Grant's scripts. Alan wrote the scripts. Norm did the the, uh, images. And uh, Norm Breifogel also used um, angles and shadows in an unusual way. I don't know. Did you notice that? You looked at his artwork. Angles and shadows. Yeah, um, and I would say it had a very film noir look. Yes, to yes, it, it was really uh, something nice and different. So, um, Norm uh, Alan Grant uh, said this. I've got a quote from Alan Grant, and this is what he said: "Norm and I redefined Batman, made him what we wanted the character to be. We had a brilliant run." I'd say Breifogel's four years on Batman are better than anything anybody's done since. Would you agree with Alan Grant on that? 
I, I would say um, Norman Breifogel did a phenomenal job. There, there are great versions of Batman right now that are out there and some phenomenal stories, too. There's uh, a lot of great Batman stories, but I would say that uh, his version of Batman, his artwork, um, definitely holds its place in the legacy of uh, comic books, Batman comic books. Now let's uh, think about Alan Grant and Norm Breifogel for a moment. Remember, Alan Grant was writing the scripts. Norm was illustrating. Did you know that they are the ones who created a host of new villains? Oh, really? Like who? The Ventriloquist. Oh, the Ventriloquist. Scarface. Yeah, that's the that's the dummy that the Ventriloquist uses. Mm-hmm. He's got a split personality, and he speaks through the uh, the dummy. The rat catcher? Yeah. What's he do? Controls rats. Okay. It's like the Pied Piper, but uh, Mm -hmm. instead of getting rid of the rats, he uses the rats. Kind of like Willard. You ever see that movie Willard? Oh, yeah. Yeah, kind of like that. The Corrosive Man. Uh, I have no idea who that is. Mortimer Cadaver. I don't know who that one is either. Cornelius Sturck, also known as The Fear. Okay, yeah, I've heard that one. And uh, Joe Potato. I think you made that up. No. Joe Potato? Yeah, no. Joe, I'm a, yeah, I'm These are cool some of that. the villains that the uh, team dreamed up. They created them. Bob Kane didn't. They created them. And the most famous creation, and it's the one that they really was their favorite also, was Anarchy. Oh, I know of Anarchy. Tell us about Anarchy. Oh, uh, Out for Death and Destruction. Uh, he wears a red outfit. Spray, spray paints the anarchist sign uh, on walls. I got a picture of that right here. Um, he's got a bow staff. And to me, he almost looks a little bit like uh, the character of V from Vendetta. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, you know what the word anarchy means. So yeah, that explains. I'm looking at Joe Potato right now. From his beginnings as a teenage anarchist, anarchy eventually became a Green Lantern. He battled dark side and the demon mm-hmm. and uh in a story that uh, dc wasn't too interested in he was revealed as the son of the joker really yeah so uh anarchy supposedly was the son of the joker villain oh. mm-hmm. so alan grant norm breifogel they moved from uh, detective comics to dc and they created the uh, new title, Batman Shadow of the Bat. And you're familiar with that. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I, I got that whole series. Uh, their groundbreaking story was The Last Arkham. Mm-hmm. Arkham was the uh, insane asylum. That's where we saw Batman locked up in the as- insane asylum as a criminal. Remember that? Yep. And however satisfied uh, Bry Fogel was drawing the character he felt born to draw, he continued to explore his options by working at other companies. And unfortunately, at this point in his career, that work was far less than memorable than Batman. Uh, But interestingly enough, around this time, he did a few issues of Life with Archie. Were you familiar with that? So Norman also drew some Archie, Archie comics. I I did not know that he drew for the Archie comic books. But... By the mid-2000s, um, uh, his personal life eventually found some stability 
and he began to write his memoirs. But unfortunately, I didn't realize this. Of course, I only knew him over a 24-hour period there at White Sands National Monument. So I didn't really know Norm Breifogel that well. But one night he got so angry, Gary, that he smashed his fist into his computer monitor. And sadly, um, he felt this searing jolt go up his arm. He thought he'd been electrocuted, and he, he really couldn't move or speak. So he eventually managed to call for an ambulance. He was taken to the hospital, and there they discovered he had suffered a serious stroke during this episode, and his left side was now paralyzed, and Norm Breifogel was left-handed. Oh. So this to me, is tragic. Uh, it makes me sad just talking about it. He was such a nice person that uh, afternoon that we had that time together, and he drew that sketch for you. Uh, but left-handed, his left side paralyzed, he would never draw again from that point on. And uh, his artistic life ended there, Gary. Oh, man. And then uh, in the hospital, his savings were eaten away, and fortunately, um, a fundraiser was established. At, uh, at this point, he found it hard to speak to anyone without crying, and he, uh, I just wish I had known this. I would have reached out to him if I had known all this. I would have uh -huh. reached out to him because, right. uh, you know, I've always had the feeling that anybody who does something good for my son, who is nice to my son, um, I will repay them in any way possible. Sure. And had I known all of this was going on, I would have reached out to Norm Breifogel because this is a true American tragedy. Well, he um, eventually the stroke finished uh, its job and Norm's heart gave out in uh, 2018. And... Uh, this person who is so much a part of the Batman legend who really brought Batman to life in the comic books, at least the look of Batman, at least the costume Batman wore, um, made that major contribution. Uh, such a wonderful person that, that um, I saw those few hours. Um, sad ending. Yeah, well, I mean, these things happen, uh, unfortunately, uh, but... Uh, there's no reason to um, mourn when somebody has left such a legacy and has made such a massive contribution. I mean, if anything, uh, we should really be celebrating the work that he did. Yes, yes, so. I agree. I agree. And every time I look at that uh, framed sketch, which you have uh, hanging in your room, I'm I'm reminded of Norm Breifogel and the wonderful person he was, the fabulous artist he was, and the contribution he made to American pop culture. And that he did. Mm -hmm. So with that, Gary, we will um, end on that note. And folks, I hope you enjoyed the behind-the-scenes look at how Batman achieved his look. Well, one of the ways, because there's a lot of different looks to Batman, that's for sure. Oh, yes. Until next time, I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And this was an amazing story. <laughs>